welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the final quick shift edition of the Kuehl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. And, oh, man, we have made it to the end of the playoffs. It may be October, but we're there. And congratulations to the 2020 Stanley Cup champions. You can see it right here on this little ticker thing up here. The Tampa Bay Lightning, the team I picked 538 days ago. I'm capping out already on the speaker, but we're going to get to all that and more here on 12 Ounce Sports, whether you're watching us here on, on YouTube, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on Twitter, whether you're watching us on Zingo TV, channel 761. If you want to watch us on Zingo TV, go on ahead. Make sure you use the promo code 12 ounce, which is 12, the letter O, the letter Z or Z if you use improper English. Make sure you get on there. We got a lot to get to today. We're going to recap the playoffs, and then we're going to talk about some stuff towards the end. Maybe some college puck, because we have our guest, the member of the, the newest member of the elite, E-L-I-T-E, all caps, bolded, underlined, and italicized, elite eight-timers club. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Harrison Watt. Harrison, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. How many other people are in that club? I figured I should get my own jacket or something by now, at least. You and Thomas Biondo are the only two, and that's why, like, we got, like, and I just, I keep putting him on. He wants a belt. You want a jacket. But, I mean, I, you know, we have our, we have our own merch. Look, we have our own merch here on, on the Kula Show. Can we, would, was, is the, would the merch be okay? Would the merch be a, a suffice, uh, uh, compensation there, Mr. Watt? Yeah, and now I'm just realizing that because I missed my last scheduled appearance a few weeks ago, I would be alone in not, with nine, right? Well, so I, I'll be honest. I thought about it. Like, we got to get Harrison on towards the end of the playoffs no matter what because we can make sure it's even because these two, it's, it's, it's literally like a horse race. It's neck and neck. We can't have one, two get, one get too far ahead than the other. Got to keep you guys equal because – Maybe we'll use that to our advantage here on the Kill Show one of these days. We'll have to just wait and see. But Harrison, Ferris State, by the way, I forgot to mention, Ferris State play-by-play Harrison Watt, even though I'm, if you've watched the other seven appearances of Harrison, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it. And if you're also watching on 12 Ounce Sports, you also can read the fact that it says Harrison Watt, Ferris play-by-play. Harrison, how, are, how have you been, sir? How have, how have the playoffs been for the, in the Watt household? It was, well, first of all, it's really the Bayard household because we both know who wears the pants in my house. Well, um, yeah. Well, that, well, that, <laughs> yeah. well, does the dog control that now? Does the dog control the house now? I'm firmly in third place behind the dog and my lovely significant other. Um, the playoffs were good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think the NHL hit a home run. I think it's the first time where... The NHL is the top league of the big four, just in terms of, you know, their level of popularity, how well everything went off, how well people think of the commissioner, um, the broadcast, the way they made things look on TV, everything was perfect. And I know underneath some of the amenities that the players wanted didn't, wanted didn't happen in the bubble. And I think that was fairly predictable, but just the look of it was perfect. I think the playoffs were incredible. Yeah, no. And I'm glad they. I'm glad they finished. That was the one big thing. I'm sorry to cut you off, but like everyone was talking about. Well, we'll get started. All the leagues are like, well, we'll get started. and We'll see if we get to crown a champion. It is a huge, huge home run that the NHL got to crown their champion. There were no positive cases and there were no delays. Everything was excellent. A plus plus to the NHL. It. 
I will agree with you. The fact that, cause when it was first announced, I'm like, okay, you know, at what point is it going to be, you know, have to shut everything down because since everyone is in a bubble and it's so close together, if one case happens, another case, another case would just snowball, but it never happened. And the NHL was very open about it. They kept saying, Hey, no cases this week, no cases this week. And we're like, I mean, in, in terms of execution, yes, they did it well because you look at the NFL now, Tennessee and Pittsburgh, that game had to get postponed because of COVID. Baseball, obviously, once again, the NFL and the MLB, they had it open where they're not ha- they're not putting teams in bubbles. Obviously, Major League Baseball's playoffs will end in the bubble in Texas, right? Is it Texas where the World Series is going to be? Yeah, Texas is NLCS yeah. and World Series. And I just remember, like, like they, I remember the St. Louis Cardinals, my buddy Cooper Weidenthaler down here at Davenport, he is a big Cardinals fan. So I always gave him crap to the fact that the Cardinals couldn't stay, couldn't stay safe. But yeah, the M- NBA has done a great job, but they were having problems with players leaving the bubble, the NHL. And you have to look at it from every perspective from Gary Bettman down to the players, everyone bought in. And that's why I've said multiple times, Harrison on this show during these playoffs, the fact that he wasn't booed is actually, I can allow it. And I'm okay with it because I've garnered a whole level of respect for Bettman even though I bashed him on the show into the dirt multiple times, but he has done so well with the situation that a lot of people probably wouldn't be able to handle well and is able to go through it in stride and in, in a very calm demeanor like he always has, but he's done it to where it's worked for the league and now the league is able to move forward and still be in one piece where many other people, you know, obviously we saw it with MLB. They were almost in shambles by the time their season started, but Batman was able to do such a great job. Gary, Gary Bettman, I think, saved his legacy with, with uh, the Bubble Cup. Um, the, the big thing with him is that everyone's like, Gary Bettman's this grouchy curmudgeon. He doesn't want guys going to the Olympics. You know, he, he doesn't want change in the NHL. Gary Bettman pulled this off. It was incredible. And yes, I know, again, there were some issues with the amenities behind the scenes with what the players are promised and what they actually got and, and how things, you know, it, it's, it's tough to keep everything under control and to make it look good too. But between this and Gary Bettman, I think committing a little bit more back to the Olympics, I think he's probably saved his legacy. He, you know, when he retires, I think people are going to remember this more than they're going to remember the lockouts. than they're going to remember not going to the Olympics the one time. I, I really think that he's probably, you know, he hasn't erased all of that stuff, but I don't think a lot of people are going to remember it as much anymore as, as they used to. I, it's funny. I look back on it because now you make me think of the, the lockouts, and I remember how heavy we were that we were going to have another lockout after this season and how certain I was on this program. I was saying, we're going to have a lockout, and it's going to happen. So these all these contracts are getting paid all these signing bonuses, so when that year is canceled, they still get their money. But yet they were able to get through it. And now I look at these lockouts. I'm like, yeah, they'll for, okay, that happened. But the pandemic, we had it, we had the, and some people have called it the COVID cup or whatever, but we were able to crown a champion. I think that's the biggest thing. And at the end of all this is that we were able to make it through and we were able to say, we have a Stanley cup champion. We didn't have to put 2020 with an asterisk and a Wikipedia page that it doesn't exist because there was no Stanley cup final and whatnot. But yet here we are in Tampa, the team, <laughs> I, a minor half shot in the dark, kind of serious, half joking pick of mine wins the cup. And I said it Harrison because they won 62 games and they lost. And I'm like, okay, it's just gonna be like the 96 wings. I didn't think I was going to be right, but Tampa was able to just 
have the right players at the right time, and they change their style a little bit, kind of like the 97 Wings got a little bit tougher, a little bit grittier, and they're able to pull it off and win the Stanley Cup. Tampa, I think, is very deserving of the trophy. Yeah, that's the other thing is you didn't just get a champion. You get the champion that you should have gotten. Uh, it's not like Montreal made a run and won the Cup, which would have been, I, I think a lot of people would have been impeded about that, aside from the fact that everyone hates the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but, but, you know, it's not like Columbus, a team that kind of scrapped their way around, or the New York Islanders. Like, the most skilled, the best-built team won. They had the best goalie. They had the best defenseman. They had probably the two best forwards between Kucherov and Point. Uh, you could maybe argue for Nathan McKinnon, although I kind of forget about him because he was gone so long ago now. Um, but I, I think they just had the best of everything, really. Everybody came through when they needed to. It's a well-coached team. I think probably they had one of the best three coaches in the league, too. Uh, I, I don't know if I would quite put John Cooper ahead of Barry Trotz and John Tortorella yet, but he's in their class. Um, I do think overall they're the best coaching staff. Obviously, there's a couple of Fair State alums on it, which – not biased at all there. Not biased at all, Harrison. De facto, it de facto makes them the best. We both know that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I think they're the best of everything. They deserve to win the Stanley Cup. It was probably the best pick. I fell into the trap of thinking, well, it's a weird year. Maybe Calgary can win the Cup. And, you know, they didn't. Of course, they let me down again. I won't pick them next year like I picked them the last two years, I promise. If but, they get rid of Johnny Hockey and fill in a roster spot with actually something that someone can play in the playoffs, then maybe, but that's for the offseason uh, off to determine. Oh, I know. They need a goalie, too. I, well, like Talbot wasn't terrible, um, but he's not going back, I don't think so. Right. It, it's yeah. The, Calgary was so Calgary was such a tough one. Of course, Dallas is the team that beat him. And I'm mean, looking at the stats right now. Nathan McKinnon still finished fourth in points with 25. And he was gone by game seven of the second round. It, he he would have been the consmite. He could have made it to simply the next round. He would have been the consmite trophy winner. That's how good he was with Colorado. But well, I oh. was speaking speaking of McKinnon and that. I was uh, what game did I watch? I watched Game Seven, two thousand two, a few years ago, the Western Conference Final, the seven nothing game. About, yeah, and about halfway through the game, they were talking about Peter Forsberg. I believe Peter Forsberg missed the whole regular season that year. Yep. Came back to the playoffs. was the leading playoff scorer uh, up to that point. And Bill Clement and Gary Thorne were very seriously at one point, even though the odds, I think by that point, were down 5 nothing. Yeah. Were very seriously discussing the topic that Peter Forsberg could still win the Conn Smythe Trophy and not be in the Stanley Cup final. They tossed it around a couple times. And I think that you've seen McKinnon play into the next round and get to maybe 35 points. To me, that's the most outstanding player. It It's incredible to think looking back, because that is true, that people forget that because it was like, how did that happen? Remember, he blew his spleen out in the 0-1 playoffs. That's why he, that's why, that is literally the reason why Joe Sackick won the Conn Smythe, because Peter Forsberg didn't play in the, conf- in the Stanley Cup against New Jersey. Peter Forsberg, ready for these numbers? Peter Forsberg still led all skaters in points in the 2002 playoffs. Behind him was Stevie Iserman with 23. Joe Sackick had 19. Shani had 19. Fedorov had 19. Forsberg in 20 games, 27 points. 
he was still yeah. a point a game player, even though he only made it through the first three. I mean, it's he was one of those he guys was, like he revolutionized the game and you almost wonder if he didn't try to tear his body apart like he did. He probably would have scored 500 goals, 1500 points probably. But that's just the way Forsberg played. Had he played seven games in the Stanley Cup final and not gotten a point, he still would have been a point for game player in the playoffs. Like that's ridiculous if you think of it that way. I still think Nick Lidstrom did deserve the Smythe that year because it was a long time coming where people didn't respect him for about four or five years leading up to that. They, they just kind of were like, yeah, he's just kind of there. I think maybe he won a Norris around that time for the first time, but uh, I don't know that everybody's really respected him. This is totally off subject until uh, that point. They're like, well, we got to pick a team guy that was in the finals and we better to pick and you could have picked Steve Eiserman too for winning the cup basically on half a leg, but you know, there were half, a lot of choices that year. On half of one leg. His one leg was half. dead. The other one was half. It, it oh, could, you can see. It was oh. dreadful. That's why I say, like, I'm, who was I, I? I was watching one of the playoff games, and I think it was. Who was I talking? I remember I was, I was conversing with someone. I'm like, man, the fact that Steve, like, you always talk about players that gutted out in the playoffs. I don't think Stevie Eiserman, the way the game is nowadays, I don't think someone could be in that much pain like Steve Eiserman was and still be able to make an impact in a game in this day and age, just the way the game is different from then and to back when the dead puck air was around. No, but he would certainly try his ass off, and I would, oops, sorry for the language. No, you know, the A-double-S word apparently is still okay as long as you don't say it 20 times in a show. Apparently, FCC rules. I apologize, man. Yikes. So you have 19 more, Harrison. Yeah. I'll have a roll. He would try his tail off, and yeah. I bet I'd be willing to bet you even today, he'd be like, put me in on the fourth line, and he'd probably go out there and he'd play. He probably wouldn't score a point, but... You know him. Uh, right. Well, that's why I think I think it came out because of Stamkos. Because Stamkos scores in game three and then just doesn't play the rest of the series. And I'm like, I thought, like, I, obviously, the the, uh, the players, his teammates didn't care that he didn't play those last couple games. They knew was, that he was their captain and they were, because he's been there for so long. It didn't matter if he didn't play the, the last three games. Yet it, the, was clear, it was clear he couldn't move, though. I, other than the one, the goal... A couple times I watched him moving around. I was like, yeah, he doesn't have very much in the tank. That that goal is straight. That's where I literally look and I say, that's adrenaline. Because I watched the play and I'm like, wow, that's Stamkos speed. That's Stamkos going. That's a Stamkos shot. But then the next shift, he's back down to like 40% of what he is. And I'm like, man, adrenaline can do weird things to people. It's but. Oh, yeah. The Lightning were just, they were the right team. They had the two leading scorers in this postseason. You had Kucherov with 34 points, Braden Point right behind him with 33. But, and then in goals, you had Braden Point leading with 14. I, is it, I still look back at this team and, because I, I picked them to lose to Columbus in round one. I thought Boston was going to beat them around in round two. It wasn't until they went up against the Islanders, I thought, they could probably do this. Did you see that the same way with Tampa this year, Harrison? Did you think that they were somehow going to bottom out like they'd done in the past? Or did you think actually that this was going to be their year? I thought as long as they got by Columbus, they would at least make the conference final. Um, you know, Boston's a good team, but I, there's something not right there. Like, you know, it just, when it matters, there's something just a little wrong. And maybe it's the defenseman. 
I thought Halak was fine. I don't think the goaltending was really the issue, even though Rask left. Uh, I, I always thought that, okay, get past Columbus, and you'll make the conference final. They get to the conference final, I'm like, okay, the Islanders are somewhat of a carbon copy of what you saw in Columbus. They're basically the same team, basically the same coaching ability and style in Tortorella. Also, can we talk about the fact that Cooper took down Trotz and Tortorella in the same playoff run? That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's, that is, to no offense to Dallas Stars fans out there, the epitome of Eddie Belfour going through Grant Fior, Patrick Waugh, and Dominic Hoshik in the same playoff. Like, yeah, exactly. So in terms of coaching, at least, because Cooper, I mean, we've seen, obviously, he's got, a, he's got a great talent group in front of him, but the fact that he's able to put, that's why he was a great candidate for the Jack Adams last season, because he's able to put this team together and get them to win games and be consistent through the regular season. Obviously, the playoffs, but that's why postseason awards don't matter in the playoffs. They matter for the regular season only. This year, he was like, all right, guys, I don't care if we win 40 games. If we win 40 and barely make the playoffs, who cares? As long as we win the cup, that's all that mattered. And they were able to do it. They were able to step up when they needed it most, and that's because of good coaching and good leadership. Yes, and to roundabout answer your question, once I saw them in the conference final, I thought to myself, they've already beaten this type of team once. The Islanders at some point have to run out of gas. They're just not good enough in goal to withstand the storm of Tampa Bay, uh, to use a pun a little bit, lightning storm. Oh, you should have been here. We had Justin Godfrey on from Raw Charge. I, Alex and I were on fire. We were, we were electrifying, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. And then the Stanley Cup final, actually, it's interesting. I thought Dallas is the same style of team that they had already seen twice, just a lot more skilled. I mean, Ben and Sagan are better than probably anybody they've seen in the playoffs. Radulov, um, outside of the Boston series when you had some high-talent guys, but really, I thought Tampa kind of beat the same type of team three times. So they had a plan on how to do that. They made it work. I honestly thought, in my opinion, the toughest test was Columbus because it was just as much a mental test as it was a physical test. And Columbus played with some serious commitment. I mean, they really did. I thought Dallas was skilled enough to win a game. In another, they hung on tight and made some things happen. The Islanders were another type of team that I looked at that, that like they're committed to their style. They're gritty. They're tough. They're going to try and wear you down as much as they can, even if they don't have the skill to keep up. So hats off to Tampa. I mean, they, they had to withstand. I would liken it to basically just being hit with sandpaper or like a sandblaster for three straight rounds. Cause you know, it's not like getting shot. It's just like having your skin slowly peeled away is how I look at it. It hurts to play against teams like that. It hurts a lot, and they made it work. 11. Hold on, I'm counting right now, 11. All right, so the Dallas Stars won 14 games. They won 14 games. They came too short of the Stanley Cup. I just did the quick math here. 11 of their wins came by one goal. That, I mean... I, I, I think there was there was the seven four game against Calgary in game seven. That was game six of that series. Game what was the other win they had that was by more than by more than one. I think they had a two goal win against Colorado. No, they had a five two win against Colorado and a what's the other one six through? Where's the other one? Come on, it's right there. It's right in front of me. 
They had another two-go win somewhere. But long story short, 4-1 against Tampa in game one. That's right. They were able to pull it off, and I think the guy that we have to look at, and a guy that, even though it only went six, and yeah, a couple games there towards the end, I think I don't give him much for game six. I think Dallas was too depleted. But that's Anton Hudobin. That guy proved that he can be a starting goaltender in this league just by his performance alone. He went 8-1, Harrison, when he had to make 35 or more saves. That's ridiculous by any stretch, whether it be NHL, college, junior, any level of hockey. That's impressive. I respect him, and I hate that it's happening now because I think his career is obviously most of the way over. Um, I don't know. Tim Thomas is like, I was 45. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, those guys are rare, though. I mean, Hasek did it a little bit. Hasek also was like, thin as a rail he weighed like i think his official weight was actually like 168 for like 10 straight years which is obscene how he was able to carry all that gear and be as effective as he was um Hudobin, not that he's like out of shape or anything but you have to be in freakish shape to continue to that level uh for that long and i i feel bad that it's kind of happening now and I also feel bad. Is he a UFA this year? I'm blanking. Hugh Dobin? I don't think so. Not this year. Where's, I, I have Cap Friendly up. I should be able to... Dallas. I didn't think so either, but again, it gives you a lot of stability. I respect him. He's a good teammate. People like him. I mean... Oh, no, he is, he is a UFA. Oh, well, boy. I also, I also feel bad for him because teams aren't going to want to spend money right now. And no. I love goalies. I love goalies as much as you love goalies. You're, you are a goalie. Yep. But it's my opinion, and I think it's kind of Steve Eiserman's opinion, uh, to think about the Red Wings and, and teams that are going into rebuilds that, that need that extra piece. The last thing you spend money on is the right goalie, or you get your goalie on his rookie contract or a guy you drafted. I think if you have to spend money on a goalie, you're in bad shape. Case in point, Curtis Joseph. Case in point, Frederick Anderson. Um, oh, man, that and, I and I know that I have saying, my I have my takes on Cujo. Well, Frederick Anderson, yes, Frederick Anderson, because I'm sitting here thinking, man, wouldn't it be great to? Because there's the rumors being tossed around Anderson for Kemper and whatever, and I'm like, I, okay, sure, if you can platoon, but you, you say Cujo, and I hate, to, I always hate the Cujo thing because think of it this way: those Leafs teams were not the best defensive teams. They were getting outshot like 40 to whatever almost every night when Cujo was there. So he was used to facing 40 shots a night. Then you go to this. Well, I'm, pa- thinking, I'm thinking Cujo Detroit. No, that's what I'm saying. Because he goes to Detroit and he's so used to facing that many shots. He's out of rhythm when he's only facing 20 shots a game. He couldn't do Marty Berdur's kind of workload. He had to get that many shots to be good. That's what's so crazy. That's why I look back. I'm like, eh. I can see why everyone looks bad on him, but I'm like, he wasn't, he was a better goaltender when his team was outmatched. That was my, that's always my thing with Cujo. Well, I, I'll counter with this. He was getting paid $8 million a year, which is, there was uh, no cap Harrison. There was no cap back then. No one cares. <laughs> yes. But now that's too much against the cap. Right. If you, if you want to fit in the amount of money you need to spend on defense and the amount of money you need to spend on guys that can score. Um, the other thing is, he was put in a bad situation when he came. And if you, you know, with the Dominic Hossack drama and everything, but when Hossack came out of retirement, yep. um, the fans were down on him all the time. But if you're going to bring a goalie in, it has to make sense. If you're like 
if you're a team that has it built from the back forward, I would think a team that, that would pay for a goalie would be like Carolina, who I think is pretty close to what they need to be to get over the top. Which is funny because Anton Hudobin, when he was, I don't say tearing up in Boston behind Tuka Rask, but when he was showing that he may be able to be that next starting one, number one goaltender, goes to Carolina, and it just it didn't work out so much. But I think if you put him in there now, maybe, but you would have to platoon him with another goaltender. I, that would either be Mrazek or James Reimer, whatever Don Waddell, whatever would want to do. And you make a very good point that the last piece you want to add is a goaltender for a team, because I'm look, I just thinking about teams with their goaltending and, you know, I just thinking about the idea of the Red Wings, obviously the Leafs aren't there yet because Leafs have the talent, but there's, I, I, we don't have a long enough show to, for me to determine, to tell people what the Leafs need to do to become a cup winner. But the, I just, and I know cause you're a Red Wings fan. We grew up here in Michigan. And since we're on the topic of Stevie Eiserman, look, name me a goaltender. That was not named Glenn Hanlon or whatever the heck his name was before Osgood. That was a bot or before Vernon. That was a buy by the Red Wings to get better at goaltending. Obviously, Osgood was homegrown. There was Timmy. There was Timmy Chevelday. Bob Essenza was at the end of his career when he came over. Then Ozzy stole a job from him. But that was the last piece, and Vernon was the guy that finally they said, "Let's bring him in," and they finally won a cup with him. So I mean. To your point, you're correct, Harrison. The last piece should be a goaltender. And but and it's so weird. It's like, could Hugh Dobin actually be that guy? Oh, there's all sorts yeah. of stuff with that. Yeah, I, you know, and the Wings face an interesting quadrant. Everyone's like, sign Jacob Markstrom. And I'm like, please, God, no. You, Anything yeah. but tying up a, a 30-year-old goaltender who ugh, has never had a top 10 save percentage who to me appeared to be kind of a bad teammate in that last series, which you don't need right now with the young team we were trying to build a right um, build a culture. I watched some of the body language and it doesn't tell you everything, but I watched some of the body language from him in that last series he played. And I was like, I don't want this guy. I don't want to spend six years on him. I don't want to spend seven million dollars on him because he might be maybe the best or the best prospect of those becoming available. Just don't spend right now. In my dream scenario, the Red Wings trade back three or four spots in the draft. They grab first-round pick next year for that, yep. or a couple of second-round picks. You pick Yaroslav Askarov. Yep. Oh, the Russian two league, the the major, uh, the what's uh, the? I forgot the the ma- I think it's called M- the Major Hockey League in in the English MHL. translation. Yeah, MHL, the MHL. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You stash him for a few years, and by the time you've drafted enough players to become competitive he's probably going to be ready to go and on a rookie contract. Yeah. I mean, cause I, there's no, ru- I don't think there's any rush for any of the draft picks this year, just because of the fact that a it's in October B that no one's going to play in North America. No one's going to come over to North America this year, but yeah, goaltending. I don't buying right now as a goaltender. Like, cause yes, Markstrom is that shiny thing right now. He played well in the postseason, was able to take Vancouver to game seven. Well, pardon me, game five. And then to that, your Demko did the rest from there. But I mean, it's interesting to see what Vancouver's going to do. I'm sure um, we may have a guest about that, but we're going to take a break here, folks, here on 12 Ounce Sports. When we come back, we're going to talk some college hockey with Harrison, so stick around here. We'll be back with more of the Kuehl Show right after this. (laughs) 
And welcome back, everyone, to the Kula Show here on 12 Ounce Sports, the last quick shift edition ever. Well, maybe not ever, at least until next season when we actually need to do two shows again come playoff time because we had to do so much. We're still here with Harrison Watt, Ferris State play-by-play broadcaster Harrison Watt. We talked about the NHL in the first part of the program. Now we're going to get we're going to hit the books with Harrison Watt. Harrison, the college hockey game right now obviously is absent, but I keep looking around on the social medias and I keep seeing teams practicing westerns on the ice, Alabama, Huntsville. I don't know about Alabama, but I think it was, well, Peyton tweeted about it, but there was like Northern was skating and all these other schools are getting on the ice. It means they're close. Where in your, from what you've heard or what you think, you know, or would think is going on, where does NCAA hockey stand in terms of returning to game action? Well, Conference by conference, everybody's, I think, got a little bit of a different feel to it. Um, the question's going to be what the NCAA wants to do. Are they going to, what are they going to do with winter championships? One, I think, no, I don't think. I know March Madness is going to happen because they need that billion dollar payday. Yep. Um, but if they're going to do that, they got to be kind of equitable. College hockey is up there. The Frozen Four is a big uh, revenue generator, typically. Um, so I, I would think that that championship will get saved somehow as well. I'm not sure how, but, uh, the one good thing with that is you can test everyone before they go in for the tournament, um, for the first, the regional rounds, then there's that week off before the frozen four. Right. Um, so you can just, you know, you take your week, you practice, you test again. You put them in a bubble. So it's, you know, I think the NCAA hockey tournament is actually very doable. Um, so it kind of depends on that. Um, it's, I, I'm betting it's going to be a shortened season. We were supposed to, you know, I was supposed to be on the road to Michigan State um, Saturday morning for our first game of the year. Uh, Let's see good buddy Scott Moore over there. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a shame. Probably not going to see him. Um, I would imagine what's going to happen is the conferences are going to stick together. Uh, if there are non-conference games, it'll probably be something like conference opponents only in those non-conference games. Um, or regionally, you think, right? Or they or would they stick to only conference teams? I would hope regionally, but like it depends on everybody's protocols. You don't want to play a team from a conference that has different protocols if you think there's going to be a difference in safety level. Right. Um, I don't know that that's going to be the case. I know the Big Ten is probably going to try and test a ton. Um, and you never know what everybody else is going to do. I'm really not privy to a lot of that information. Um, but I, I will say, I, I think, you know, around New Year's for sure, that that would be the hope to play. Um, the question is going to be, do we bleed it into the, the end of this year? You know, do we start around, say, Thanksgiving um, and maybe play some non-conference games? That remains to be seen. But I think the optimism around hockey is growing a lot. I, I think it's good. I right. Think it's probably about as safe as anything else. Um, the one thing I would like to see is I'd like to see the conference's mandate that uh, all skaters switch to the bubble instead of the cage, I think that would help a little bit uh, with some of the safety. Um, obviously, I've seen pictures of, like, Western Michigan, and they're wearing masks while they're skating um, underneath, like, a cage, and I understand that, but you wear the bubble, and that can kind of serve as a face shield. 
Um, yeah. I've heard that argument many times. Well, shoot, you see, you see people walking down the street with the mat with those sh- with face shields, like they're like welders' masks or whatever. So I guess it's kind of the same no thing. Different to, it's no different to me. Yeah. Um, so I think hockey is safe. I think we can expect a college season, um, whether it happens around Thanksgiving time, whether it happens around Christmas time. But I definitely think by around New Year's we're going to be getting going and. I don't know what the schedule is going to be like. We're in a tricky conference where we've got the Alaskas. Um, so I don't know what that plan is going to be like, but uh, I'm optimistic. I feel really good. Um, I felt a lot better the last two weeks, just kind of knowing little that I do know uh, stuff that I can't quite reveal yet, but I will when I can. Um, you can tell us Harrison. We'll just turn the mics off here. Hold on. Let me just turn this mic down. Okay. Yep. They, they can't hear you Harrison. Go ahead and go ahead and tell us what you know. <laughs> Spill the beans. Um, hey, I had a story. I, you know, I had, there was a story you told me and I, you specifically asked me not to release it, even though I could have, could have became a millionaire if I really, if I broke that story, but no, I got to say, got to save Harrison. No. Okay. I'm kidding you, Harrison. Um, I, I mean, I don't know a ton, but I, I know enough to get by. So I think I think the optimism is high. I think um, you know, thinking about the CCHA in the future, I would say keep an eye out for some stuff soon. Mm. Um, that would be my juicy little hint. Soon dot dot dot. Oh man, we gotta watch. Soon soon dot 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 within a few weeks here or so, um, maybe a little less now. But um, there's there's a lot of positive momentum around college hockey. I, I try and follow the other sports too as best I can. Um, I, I don't know a lot about what's going on with college basketball at the Division two level. I know what it is at the Division one level. Yeah. Um, but it all just kind of remains to be seen. I think um, it's less now. You know, you know when you go into a meeting at the beginning of COVID and the answers were always, I don't know. I think the answers are now more we're getting there. We're having the conversations. It's coming. Right. It's less pessimism, more optimism. I feel good. I'm excited. I, I'll tell you, man, I can't wait to put my headset back on and be in a rig sometime soon. I mean, yeah, I mean, we have our headsets on here, but it's, it's not the same thing. It's like, Oh, we put the headset on. Okay. It's cool. Yeah. We're doing the show, but it's, it's not, you know, at the rink with the, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously we don't know. Obviously MHSAA's recently up there, allowance of fan or of people in for indoor sports. So that may trickled over to NCAA. We don't know, but the point of the fact that like, I, I would call a game at 9am in the morning right now with no one around in a barn that doesn't have heat, but I wouldn't care because I'd be doing something. (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because there's a place we go on the road. uh, Just allow me to reminisce a little bit about this. And I think now you're probably the same way. When you think back to like the little stuff around that goes around your hockey season, you start to appreciate that more. Um, when we go to Bemidji, we boss. Um, we leave from Big Rapids. We go north, the UP. We go straight across the UP towards Duluth. And we stop after about nine hours of bussing on day one. It's a two-day trip for us usually. I don't know that it would be that way this year with COVID. Um we stop in a little town called Ashland, Wisconsin, and Ashland, Wisconsin is home to Northlands College. Yep. They play at this tiny little rink, like 
like smaller ceiling by almost half the Navaglaben. It's not heated. It's on the edge of Lake Superior. I think it's actually the site where the Edmund Fitzgerald loaded the ship, if I'm not. Either uh, there or Duluth. It might have been Duluth, actually. I might be wrong about that. I'm trying to think of the uh, the song now, but I, I don't think they mentioned where they load up. But anyways, continue. Um, so it's like right there. You're, you're there in January or February. It's miserably cold. You walk into the rink. It's miserably cold, but the ice is pristine. Everything in there is old. They got like this the old like neon signs everywhere. And it's just, I think about that rink. I've thought about that rink border in COVID that I've thought about almost anything. I would just love to go in there and have our morning practice before we get on the bus and go that the next four hours to the mid or four and a half hours, whatever it is. It, just to be in places like that. And, you know, coach Daniels talks about that place all the time. He goes, I walk in, I'm always so cold, but I enjoy that practice more than almost any other practice all year long. And I miss the little stuff like that. I would love to just be standing in there. Obviously, I'm not calling a practice, but I'm just standing there watching, taking some pictures. It's great. I love it. I, I will say this, Harrison. Ava Glavin, because you talk about how cold Northland's college rink is there in Ashland. And I, I've played some cold barns before. Ava Glavin, for, obviously the Ferris guys may be something different, but at least when I played there, when I was doing I did tournaments or when I played high school there, it was the most miserable rink to play in for me because it's so incredibly warm. Because it's oh, it's the hottest rink, hottest rink in college hockey. It's it could well it's connected to the basketball court, the Wink Arena there, right across the hallway. Because they need to yeah. keep that warm for the fans that come in. So I walk in like I'm so used to like when we because I wore a suit for the games that you and I did last season, and I'm so used to wearing an undershirt, cup pairs of underwear, making sure everything I'm I'm thermally warm. I, for some reason, just completely forgot about that in my first game. Because I think my first game with you was in December that year. Maybe that's why I was getting cold. And I was wearing my undershirts and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I don't need my jacket. This is ridiculous. I was, like, sweating during the broadcast. Because Ava Glavin, it's, it's it's a great environment for a hockey game. When the oh, you know, yeah. that Ferris versus Western on a Saturday night, the dog pound rocking, it's, it's nothing else like it. It's comfortable for the fans. On the ice is just you're you're sweating during just you're skating onto the ice and you're already sweating. That's how warm that rink is. Oh, it's it, I'm with you on that. It's 20 degrees warmer at press box level than it is at ice level. It's still warm at ice level for an ice rink, but like I've been in games where I give you another good example. A chiller went out one time, which that that era compressor it, those happen. Yeah. Um, against Western. And I, it was at the beginning of the period it went out and I'm up there in the press box and I'm thinking to myself, man, it is really hot up here. I'm sweating. And there used to be an old uh, thermometer next to me. And I remember looking before they took this thing out of the wall. I remember looking at it. It was 78 degrees up there. I was like, no way. And it was a packed house. So that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, we, had, we had some ice issues that night. They got fixed. Our ice crew's awesome. Um, he was, I just remember that. And I'm like, this is hotter than usual. Like I've been used to being hot, being up here calling games, but like it was a little bit much that night. And there are plenty of nights that are like that. I, I'm always warm up there doing games. Well, that's I put a lot of energy into it too. Oh yeah. Well, that's why when you say to do this, you know, wear a sweater or sweater or something like that, or a zip sweater, I'm just like, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, I'm going to die up here. I could, I did it. I did a whole game in a polo one time in an Under Armour polo. I was, 
I think I worked basketball that day and I was running around a lot. I was so hot. I got up to the, I got up to the rink for game time. I was like, I'm not putting a jacket on. I'm dying up here. It's, it's so funny. Cause like, even like the bigger rinks, like you go down to, to Compton at Notre Dame, or you go over to Lawson or Ann Arbor, those are, you know, they're bigger arenas. So obviously you got to try to keep the fans comfortable with there. It's still not like, it's not warm in there. It's, I just, every time I go in there, it's, it's so interesting to go to different arenas around, not just pro level, but college hockey. And, you know, there's not many rinks, even if it's the middle of summer, you're not wearing a t-shirt inside a rink most of the time. Ava Glavin's a different story. Unless it's, unless it's like 10 degrees, you know how cold and getting bigger Rapids Harrison. If it gets cold outside, then yes, you're bundled up. You're, you're, you're running into Ava Glavin. That's how, how much warmer Ava Glavin can be to the outside elements of Pig Rapids, Michigan. Oh yeah. For sure. But we've been chatting here with Harrison Watt, Ferris State play-by-play, talking some NHL, reminiscing about the good old days when we actually all were broadcasting and cold rinks, warm rinks. We don't care what kind of rinks. It can be outside. We could be playing hockey on the ocean water. I don't care. As long as I'm calling something, I'm sure Harrison says the same way. Harrison, thank you for coming on once again. The member, the newest member of the eight-timers club, Harrison Watt. Harrison, we'll definitely talk to you again soon, friend. Thanks, man. Have a good one. And once again, that was Harrison Watt. Always a fun chat with him because simply because he's just, it's always fun to talk with broadcasters. You know, it's, it's always good stuff because you get to be, you know, you get to just, just chat and you get to tell them about what your favorite stuff is. And, you know, obviously being a broadcaster too, you can reminisce. And that's why when we talked with Cody Jansen on Monday's show here on the Kula show, we were able to talk about goaltending stuff because Cody Jansen's a goaltender. When you have that kind of connection with people, and that's why, where hopefully I have a, I've talked to a couple people recently that maybe making an appearance here on the show. I can't name names yet because a I don't know when we're going to have mine, and b we haven't officially confirmed it yet. But they've expressed interest in coming onto the show, and those are other people that I can associate with. So can't can't don't want to reveal too much here. Can't can't do what Harris. I can't got to do what Harrison does. Can't tell people too much. Got to be. Got to be on the whereabouts of how things are going on. So, uh, we have only 15 minutes left here. I'm glad we had a nice long conversation here. I awkwardly scratched my ear through my headset. Oh, what a what a run. What a run, guys. We we made it. We made it through the Stanley Cup playoffs. Did it seem like it went by fast? Or is it just me? Because I, I think about that now. Because I'm like, huh. Because that went by... Oh, excuse me. Burp there for a second. Went by so quickly. It seemed like it just zoomed right on by. And next thing you know, here we were. We were all of a sudden done. And yes, I know we got free agency here in a couple days. And then we got the draft coming up here as well. Five days from now, the draft. Thankfully, we'll be able to get a show in before the draft. We'll do a draft preview show on Monday with Alex here in studio. I just It's so crazy. Because think of when the way Harrison said, like the fact that we crowned a champion. Because there were some points before, once the playoffs got going, all those thoughts in my head went away because I'm like, all right, we're going to get through this. Because when we were sitting there, leading up to this, uh, we didn't say it too much on the show because we want to think optimistically, but it's like, what if this goes wrong? What if we play two games in that qualifying series, someone gets COVID, boom, the playoffs are shut down. All this work, all this money put into it for nothing. But then it's just started and I'm like, okay, the game's good. God, the action's great. We're in the playoffs, and then 
it just went away and we just went back to back to normal. And yes, the questions were early on. Is it weird watching without fans? Watching without fans? Yeah, it was odd because you had the big LED boards going across the arenas. It looked like WrestleMania entering Edmonton and Toronto, which even though Toronto has hosted WrestleMania twice, but they're both at the Sky Dome, so it was not the Scotiabank Arena. They've held pay-per-views there. They've held SummerSlam, Survivor Series, multiple Raws and SmackDowns. Pretty sure Sunday Night Heat. Uh, they had Unforgiven 2006. That was a TLC match. I'm sorry. I'm just going off now on my wrestling-ness. My wrestling. But, yeah, it was different, but it was still the playoffs. The action was still tough. The games were still good. And look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Would it have been better had they won it at Amelie Arena in front of their home crowd? Sure. Sure. But, man, they were still able to go out and win the Stanley Cup. It could have been in front of no fans, 20,000 fans, Nobody cared. We were able to watch hockey. We were able to love hockey. We were able to talk about hockey in a present tense. Guys, that's all we wanted. That's all I'm sure all of us want here. We don't want the fact, we don't just want to talk about, oh, I mean, yes, it's always fun to reminisce with Harrison and I talking about, you know, Curtis Joseph playing for the wings and Hashik and all the goaltenders and how teams develop back in the day and, and whatnot. We love doing that, of course, because we like talking about the history of the game, but the fact that we're still able to fall back and just watch a hockey game, whether it be in an empty arena in Edmonton or a morning skate at Northlands College, that is why we love this game. Because no matter where it is, no matter if you're playing in a little podunk, little public rink, or playing at Scotiabank Arena on Hockey Night in Canada, the game is there. Ah, I can't, I, I can't wait to get back to work wherever it is. I should have asked Harrison what the if there was going to be a deal with with the color commentators because I'm going to be out for a while. But one thing I forgot to mention to him: the USHL released their schedule, the United States Hockey League, the Junior A League here in the United States top the highest junior level in the country they have their schedule coming out they'll be starting in early november so that's good to see good to see hockey coming back at the junior level college level like harrison said i know he's holding something he's holding something he's holding it from all of us no i'm kidding you can also follow i forgot to mention follow harrison on the twitters at watt harrison be sure to give him some loves and say thank you for making an appearance here his eighth appearance on the cule show Coming up next here on 12 Ounce Sports, the Profits. They'll be talking some NBA Finals action. That started last night. Cooper and I were watching some of that game. What a weird game that was. They'll be talking about that. They'll be talking about NFL coming up this weekend. Obviously, probably sure Tennessee and Pittsburgh. That game not happening on Sunday. That'll be a big talking point with them. Be sure to stay tuned in for them. But I'm, I'm excited to see what happens moving forward. Because, we, I mean, that with everything that's happened... Now we have another off season, but it's not going to be as long. It's just going to be, all right, let's take a break and get back to normal. Now, obviously the National Hockey League, and we'll probably get to more of this with a lot of our other guests we're going to have in the future here and with Alex in the studio, because now we're only going to go back to our Monday night shows, just Mondays here on 12 Ounce Sports, 6 to 8.30. And also, of course, as always, if you were able to watch all this live, if you missed Harrison Watt, if you're just tuning in, sorry, we only got 10 minutes left here on the show, but if you just missed Harrison, that's okay. Be sure to go on to the Cule Show YouTube channel later. I think it should be able to get it up later today. Or listen to it on your favorite podcatcher. 
the replay of today's quick shift edition. Last one of the playoffs, and I'm sure this will not be my last show by myself. I'm sure Alex may have to miss a Monday because he's got class, whatever, because he is back in school. That's important. It's a senior year, guys. He may knock on wood. He may have a piece of paper at the end of this year if everything works out. That means he's gonna get he's gonna get a degree. He's gonna get a degree, and he's gonna be a certified person of his major. Which, is, even though I'm his older brother, I don't, I don't, I think it's sports management. I don't remember what it is, but regardless, the fact that we're gonna be we're gonna we don't know what's gonna happen, but the fact that we made it through this, and we know I'm not saying that the NHL is going to be able to get through anything. They're not going to be able to just snap the fingers and like, all right, all problems that happen in the future will be easy. That's not necessarily the case. The league will always have bumps in the road. Look at the entire history of the NHL, and I can tell you exactly when there were problems in this league and how they were able to get through it. Case in point, who won the 1918 Stanley Cup? Who won the Stanley Cup in 1918? Who? Nobody. Exactly. Because 1918 Stanley Cup playoffs. No, excuse me. 1919. Pardon me. I had to make sure I looked it up. The 1919 Stanley Cup finals never happened because after four games, the series ended. Why did it end, you ask? Because they had to, they had to cancel it because of the Spanish influenza. It so far, and I'm looking at it to make sure I was right. I'm sorry. I'm looking at it to make sure because I know we talked about it with Alex that Spanish influenza, which killed Joe Hall, defenseman Joe Hall, the Montreal Canadiens, Montreal and Seattle, by the way. That's there was that. There was the WHA expansion threatening the NHL, big money, and almost made the NHL kind of step up and say, "We got to do a little bit better here, guys." Obviously, the WHA did end up going under, but then. 92, there was the player strike. Look at 1988 in the playoffs. You have Jim Seanfield pushing, well, not pushing Kaharski, but kind of bumping into him by accident. And then they all start yelling at each other and away they go. Refs don't show up for game four. And so all of a sudden they have to do a bunch of nobody refs, a bunch of guys that work for the Devils, I think it was. The NHL got through that, got through player strike in 91-92. Bettman comes in. They have the 94-95 or 94-95 lockout. They were able to get through that, finish the season. Devils won the cup that year. 0405, the work stoppage. I know it's awful, but the league, it took them a long time, and a lot of people were resented it for a long time, guys. They were able to get through it. 2012 lockout, able to get through that. They were able to deal with the threatening possible, overlooming possible lockout. They were able to get through that. And when the entire world shut down, when the probably in the worst pandemic of this generation, 1918 influenza, affecting the 1919 Stanley Cup, they were able to get through it. Guys, whenever you think the days are dark, there are people out there that are looking for the light. And the NHL, no matter how tough it got, was able to get through and is still profitable, still working, and we still love it. We hate it, but we love it. It's a wonderful thing. Make sure once again, folks, to stay tuned in here on 12 Ounce Sports. We will be talking with the well, we We're talking about the profits coming up here on 12 Ounce Sports. We are not done here, though, on the Kula Show. We're not done this offseason. No, Monday, draft talk. And then the Monday after that, free agency talk. And the Monday after that, 
I don't know. But we'll figure it out. Because like the NHL, the Kewl Show keeps going on, even though we don't know what we're doing half the time anyways. But it's a wonderful. That's why this game's wonderful. Because no matter what happens, we're able to get through it. Uh, and we're all going to get through it together, right? Right, everybody? Right? Right. Once again, folks, I am Tyler Kewl saying thank you once again for watching this episode or listening to this episode of the Kewl Show. Be sure to go to our merch page. We have merch teespring.com slash store slash the Kewl show. But when you put the Kewl show in the address bar, make sure you put the and the dash Kewl dash show. You can also make it a little bit easier on you. Just click the link in the description of this video or the podcast wherever you're listening to, because it'll be on there. It'll be merch and then the link. Click it. Get all your good stuff. Get all your favorite merch. Look good and all that good stuff with TKS swag. Once again, I'm Tyler Kuehl. You can follow me at TJKU29, but you can also follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Kuehl Show. Follow them there. Use the hashtag. Oh, boy. My protein shake started coming up there for a second. Yikes. It's getting too, getting too jacked. Use the hashtag TKS when we talk about today's episode. As always, we will see you all on Monday. Talking our draft preview. Alex will be back here. We'll probably have some guests on for that, maybe. Well, I don't know yet, but we'll be certainly talking about all the good stuff. Profits up next year on 12 Out Sports. Thank you once again for watching this episode of The Kewl Show. Goodbye! As I slowly... Eh. Eh. There we go. Goodbye! Goodbye!